Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics podcast. We host real conversations with real experts from around the world. Away from the filtered bubble of social media, our aim is to educate listeners and explore any topic in the cosmetic and wellness space. We also get a unique insight into the business minds of the entrepreneurs and pioneers who have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general information about procedures and products. You should seek professional medical advice and assessment before considering any treatment. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by BTL Aesthetics. Now, Jake, you're going to tell us all about how this can help, well, my booty, your booty, whoever's <laughs> booty. <laughs> so, the M-Sculpt machine that we've mentioned before is pretty multifaceted. Yeah. Um, it's best known, I guess, for abdominal toning and burning fat of the abdomen, but also it can be used on the buttocks, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's a really kind of topical thing. We even had uh, Dr. Joseph Ajaka coming on talking about the Brazilian butt lift, but I think that look of an athletic buttock yeah. is something that many women and presumably men are all, you know, all aspire to. Yeah. I mean, there's no shortage of people at the gyms uh, under the squat rack trying to build their booty. So the M-Sculpt device can actually help you with that, whether it's done in isolation or whether it's part of an overall exercise uh, regime that you're looking to improve certain parts of your body. Yeah, absolutely. So using the paddles that would go on for your abdomen, it's the same technique and, and same equipment. So you'd lie in your front this time, put one paddle on each booty, each buttock, <laughs> and that's basically stimulating the gluteus group of muscles, yeah. medius, uh, minimus, and maximus. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, if you're toning this muscle that is basically forming the shape and uh, contour of your buttock, you're going to get a nicer aesthetic look. Yeah, and if it's good enough for the Kardashians, then it's uh, good enough for us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> look, uh, I, I don't want to spread rumours, but there were reports that Kim K quite liked yeah. this procedure. You don't want to spread any rumours, but? Well, I, I, I'm <laughs> no, playing go- on words. Go- but. Google, told, Google told me, so, <laughs> so it be must true. be real. But no, joking aside, I know that BTL have um, had athletes come on to, if you like, hone what they've been doing in the gym to sort of perfect and almost like the icing on the cake to get that form that they could never really do in the gym. You know, using the M-Sculpt technology with the uh, powerful magnet technology to stimulate the muscle, you're getting like thousands and thousands of contractions of the muscle, which, you know, you could try and do in the gym, but you're never going to do. But the other thing with the contractions of the muscle is it's called a supramaximal contraction. So it's almost like physiologically impossible to do in the gym because you know, your body just sort of automatically braces yourself to stop injury. Yeah. So it's like a a fully super tuned workout, I guess, for your booty. Yeah. And for anyone wanting more information on the M-Sculpt or any of the other equipment that BTL sell and distribute, you can head on over to btlaesthetics.com and all the information that you need is right there. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Our guest today is Bruce Scott, otherwise known as the Body Magician. Bruce has a unique background in a variety of arts, including massage, Tai Chi, Aikido, breathing, Qigong, and has even worked with Russian military special forces in the arts of movement and combat. The culmination in these skills has allowed Bruce to develop his own method, where he works with clients to facilitate their body's own natural ability to function at its optimum capacity. Working in Randwick, Sydney, he uses a variety of techniques to balance, relax, and help people understand their bodies better. We are in the house with Bruce Scott, a.k.a. The Body Magician. How are you, Brucey? I am very fine indeed. Thank you, Jake. Thank you so much for coming. So, Bruce, we've used a video of you this week on Instagram already, but to give some people a flavour of who the hell you are, 
and why are you called the body magician to tell us about your journey into what finally became the body magician what is your background yeah awesome jake um i started studying tai chi when i was 13 and the the reason behind that was that when i was 10 i got really really sick so i got viral meningitis lining of my brain swelled up and for the next three years of my life 10 to 13 i had rheumatoid arthritis through every joint in my body like walking up a single flight of stairs could bring me to tears um chronic fatigue migraine headaches and insomnia which for a 13 year old like 10 to 13 i didn't go to school yeah i lived in a dark room um and allopathic medicine just ran a lot of tests but didn't actually have anything to offer anything to support at that stage. So what was your situation? You're in hospital or? Uh, no, I was at, I was at home. Um, cause even then, like there was just nothing really to do. Yeah. Just rest, which didn't seem to, yeah. like I rested, but that never really made and any painkillers different. And... No, it was never really on any, any painkillers or even anti-inflammatories. It was just get on with it. Yeah. Just kind of, okay, well, nothing to really offer yeah and um you go this is way back in 1988 87 to to yeah totally (laughs) um it was a different world like so when somebody suggested tai chi that was kind of an out there suggestion at that stage but somebody did someone said like maybe tai chi won't hurt might help and it just so happened that in the li- local primary school in Darwin, where I lived, there was a Tai Chi master He'd, from Singapore. His grandfather had taught him Tai Chi when he was six. He was 66 by the time I met him. So he'd been continuously practicing. And I'm getting visions of like the Karate Kid meeting it, Mr. Miyagi. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. He was just a Singaporean Mr. Miyagi. And I rock up to this class at 13, hardly able to walk because of the pain. And the room's full of, you know, 60, 60 year old Australians kind of learning this slow moving thing. And he took me under his wing and he started to, to teach me how to move and how to breathe. Um, and simultaneously, my mother had started to get massage, um, Swedish remedial massage for her own kind of stress and, and things like that. And so I started to receive a weekly um, deep tissue Swedish remedial massage and spend an hour in a float tank. So at 13, I'm like floating for an hour, getting an amazing mind-blowing massage with a, with a again, my first ever masseuse just had hands of gold. Yeah. And the combination of those two modalities um, within six months, I was boxing and playing rugby. That's crazy. Like, you know, when you go away for a weekend and a house plant kind of gets all like it needs water and it's all a bit droopy and you come home, you pour a single glass of water on it and it like comes back to life. Mm. It was like that. I was back. So this kind of work was never alternative for me. It was always just effective. Yeah. It had, like it had changed my life. And what did you learn in Tai Chi? Just explain what that is. I mean, I don't really understand apart from, like you said, it's the people doing slow, purposeful movements. That would have been an excellent boomerang uh, video. You, well, you my, do, yeah. me, me, me doing my hands. <laughs> we can do one. It's Looks all like, good. Looks like you've got <laughs> epilepsy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I need to speed it up a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so Tai Chi is an... I, 
5,000 year old Chinese movement practice. Yeah. And really it's this beautiful idea now looking at it through kind of a modern lens of understanding of fascia that if we take the body through its full functional pain-free range of motion and we articulate all of the joints and then we stimulate. So by moving that joint slowly and through its full range, we stimulate the nervous system and the fascia and we stimulate the, the secretion of synovial fluid and we really bring movement and energy to the body. Energy okay. starts moving through the body. That makes way more sense now. Yeah, that's, that's the lens through which I, I look at it. Okay. And then breathing mindfully. When we breathe, like we, we know that the breathing affects the, the nervous system and we can, we can heighten or slow down the, the, the nervous system through the breath. Yeah. So bringing all of those elements together, moving mindfully with the breath can just really bring, bring the body back into balance. Now, just to put my doctor's hat on mm. this. <laughs> yes, here we go. <laughs> the cynic here. Mm. No, do, do you think there's any way in retrospect that after two or three years, I think you said it took you when you were ill, that you just naturally recovered and it just happened so that you were doing a bit more movement as that happened? Or is it definite that you think the, the things that you were doing healed you or helped you? They definitely helped. 100% they helped. Whether I would have spontaneously gone into some remission, ideally, hope so. Yeah. But the fact that the coinciding, and I had had um, small, like month-long remissions over that three-year period. I'd had remissions within that, yes. like a month or so. But during those periods where I went into remission, I still had a lot of... Um, weakness in my muscles. I had a lot of soreness. I, I, st I never came back the yeah. way that with the combination of the um, deep tissue massage with the lymphatic drainage and the stimulation of the nerve and the muscle and yeah. um, the stimulation of the nervous system that when I came back this time, I came back and I got a crowbar and I put two Bessa bricks on the end of it and I started lifting weights under my house and I started doing chin-ups and push-ups. And like when I say I came back, I came back. I, I literally, yeah, just rebuilt myself That's awesome. from there. I threw myself into, yeah, I wanted to go the, the whole other extreme to that then and be as strong and fit as fast and capable as I possibly could. Yeah. So how did you guys meet? Because I'm like, obviously Jake said, hey, I know this guy called Bruce. He's called the body magician. And Jake, as you said, like, well, as he pointed out, he's very anti, <laughs> you know, anything outside of Western medicine. So, I mean, I'll, you know, Jake will ask me the time and I'll tell him and he'll check a clock three times because he doesn't believe me. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so I mean, I'm actually surprised, uh, like happily surprised that Jake has suggested someone like yourself because I love this kind of stuff. But how, how, did this, how does this work? Explain this to me. Okay. Um, <laughs> by the way, I'm not that cynical, but I used to be. Yeah. I, def I definitely did. When, you know, growing up as a surgical trainee, you're just brainwashed in, in Western medicine, if you want to put it that way. You, you, you don't have any insight into nutrition, uh, alternative therapy, herbal medicine, uh, all the things that you've just mentioned, Bruce. So, um, you know, I've, we've mentioned this on the podcast yeah. before. I've struggled with back pain for yeah. as long as I can remember. And I think, Hash, my wife somehow came across you, uh, your website or through her network because she's a naturopath. And she said well, this seems pretty interesting. Why don't you just 
go. And I think your first session was free at the time. Mm. And I was like, okay, like I've literally got nothing to lose. So we, we caught up and we're going to go through what you do. I did find it a bit weird at first, <laughs> but I think you probably get that feedback maybe from 50% of people. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, but you know, looking back on it now and now understanding what you do and, and hearing your story, it makes total sense why you do what you do. But um, yeah. And so I, I, I just said, well, okay. And I think I signed up for a, a session of five, maybe an yeah. extra five. Um, and, you know, and we've lost touch basically because I've been okay and basically too busy. But, you know, we're going to touch on this. I don't think anyone's ever healed or okay. You need to maintain this stuff. Yeah. So, you know, you've got your own back problems yeah. and, and your foot and your ankle. Yeah. And I think everyone's like a walking wounded. At, yeah. Uh, it's hard to get through life unscathed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But why, I mean, just to touch on your point, you know, you were talking about um, Western medical training and being brainwashed. I mean, it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like there's almost been a strategy to demonize alternative or traditional medicines when it really, I don't understand why. And is it because you can't prove things with clinical data or is it because they yeah. Western medicine feels it's a threat? Because I would have think you'd want... Look, I, yeah. I, I actually don't know. I mean, you, you can look at this from a couple yeah. of angles. Obviously, you've just got evidence-based medicine. Yeah. So this is how the world really works or science in general it you know i can't say to you do you believe in fairies without yeah. showing you a fairy so same as do you believe this drugs work does this drug work well it's not a belief it's look at the data yeah. look at the study look at the side effects and and if all those things align then it will be approved and it comes on the market yeah obviously it's got to be financially viable and that's the other angle I don't know. I'm not going to get into a debate on is there any pharmaceutical companies stopping, you know, <laughs> naturopaths from ever pushing their agenda. I really don't know. But there, there must be something it's like, like that. They, they don't need to stop it because they just don't need to invest in it. Yes. <laughs> it's like it's not, it's not, I yeah. wouldn't go with it that it's a conspiracy theory and they're like trying to suppress the knowledge or the information. It's just that those kind of studies cost real money. Yes. And, and there needs to be also um, very clear parameters with which, with in which the study is taking place. Yeah. Um, and when you have something that has more freedom of e expression, like like something like body work, or um, I think we'll get there with with food and plants. Like we we have that capacity to 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 study those to the extent that we can see the active ingredients and we can put the picture together more and more clearly. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it's, it hasn't been a conspiracy. It's just been that no one could yeah. see how, where the return on the investment was going to be. Well, you know, let's say you are a big pharma company and you want to develop a drug, that's absolutely fine. But let's say you're proposing that massage is the alternative versus a painkiller. Well, there's no money in massage. And so for someone to fund a study and that is you know, it's just not going to happen. And so I think that's, you know, like you said, it's not a conspiracy, it's just a fact of financial logic. Well, I guess we're also starting to see, um, we've got a guest coming on in a little while, a, a sort of a functional GP or an integrative GP who's gone back and studied nutrition and is starting to look at these sorts of, you know, modalities outside of 
you know, initially what he was trained on. So I think we are starting to see um, people from, I guess, the Western medical side of the of the fence starting to go, oh, look, you know what, like there is some enough evidence out there. Like it's probably good that I do understand nutrition a bit more. Um, I think we are starting to see things shift and people starting to understand that you can't treat someone's overall health and well-being with, with one approach. It's got to be nutrition. It's got to be exercise. It's got to be Western medicine. It's got to be traditional medicine. It's about, you know, trying to keep your stress levels low. Like it's, it's not just, you can't just treat well-being with one modality or from one perspective. Yeah. hundred percent. I think there's a, a beautiful book called um, Muscles and Meridian by Dr. Philip Beach, who uh, teaches anatomy at um, Wellington University. And he's also- New Zealand. A, in New, New Zealand. Zealand, yeah. And he's also um, an osteopathic surgeon and he's also a traditional Chinese medicine doctor. So he's like covering the full gamut. What's an osteopathic uh, surgeon? So sorry, he's an osteopathic. No, no, he's an osteopath. My osteopath. apologies. Okay. My, my apologies. Um, he's an osteopath traditional Chinese medicine doctor and lecturer in anatomy. Right, wow. And he started following And he's come on the podcast as well. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. So he started following the fascial development through embryology yeah. and looking at the fact that like before the heart is formed, the fascia creates a, a container for the, the heart cells, the polypotential stem cells to differentiate and become the heart. Hmm. And that that fascial line, the heart forms before the buds of the arm form. And then the, the fascia from the pericardium spirals out and becomes the arm. And now if you look at the traditional Chinese medicine of the meridian line of the heart, it follows really, really similarly to this fascial line, this embryological fascial line that spirals and becomes the arm. Yeah. It's the same line. See, as soon as you put it in that language, I go, okay, that makes sense. Cool. I'm with it. I'm yeah. down. I'm like, that's that. <laughs> for me, it's been, so the analogy for me is I started looking at, because I came at it from both angles, um, originally, firstly, through very much the traditional Chinese yoga, um, traditional martial arts. Uh, but then I fell in love with anatomy and the what the what's so of the scientific inquiry. We have this incredible capacity to observe and dissect and the scientific method the whole reason that you can listen to this on a podcast is because we've got the scientific medicine the method that that allowed us to develop the technologies that we developed and mm. to be at this cutting edge this moment in time where now it feels like for me the traditional model is the analogy is like imagine new york city and you've got the subway map and you've got Grand Central Terminal and you've got all of the different places on that that map. And then and so that's the traditional Chinese model is that map. And then you've got the street view and it's still got Grand Central Terminal and it's, it's just a different map and we've been arguing over which map's right. And when we get it right is when both maps are on top of each other and we understand how they fit together. Yeah. That's that's the moment that I'm really excited. That I'm I'm loving being part of that. Yeah. Of the bringing together of these two incredible ways of looking at the human body and the human experience and and who we are. Yeah. Um, I love that analogy. 
Yeah. I might use that. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so so for, for me, the way I look at the experience of being human, for me, like we are all spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, energetic beings. If you don't like the word spiritual, change it for conscious. I I don't know what the difference is. Like I, all I know is I wake up in the morning and I'm animated by something. Yeah? And even when I'm sleeping in, in the depth of my dream, I'm still often conscious. Like, mm. I, I don't know how to explain that. I just know that, that that's my experience of being. Yeah. Um, and as far as I can see, I cannot tell where any one of those aspects ends and another one begins. Yeah. Like where does my mind end and my brain begin or like how, how do mind and brain interact? Mm-hmm. And then within the body, like the mind, the brain is in the body to some extent. Like we often think about the brain as stopping at the, you know, the base of the occiput, at the base of the skull. But if you extrapolate that beyond language, it's like the, your nervous system extends all the way to the peripheral surface of the sole of your foot, all the way to the tips of your fingers. So if I'm giving you a foot massage, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm stimulating the, the muscles and the, the, the structures of that foot. But for, the, for you to be able to feel it means that I'm actually stimulating your mind. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. So like just taking it another level. So if we... Um continue on with your journey. So you're 13, you've got yep. uh, viral meningitis, you've tried everything, you start Tai Chi, mm. um, you're getting weekly massage, mm-hmm. you go into remission. Mm-hmm. What happens next? Like what, what's, <laughs> what's happened between then and now? Okay. So what happens next is that I'm 14 with a whole, like I've just been in bed for three years. I got a lot of life to make up for. Um, and it's Darwin and I went off and had a wild of misspent youth. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the thing that my passion became martial arts, firstly, boxing, yeah. boxing and playing rugby. I wanted to be strong. I wanted to be fast. I wanted to be, I wanted to be dangerous. Like really at that age, I just wanted to really um, be, be as strong as I could be. Um, so Tai Chi fell away because it just, I was, I was too young to appreciate what I'd been given, but karate took its place boxing and karate um and again i I had an amazing karate instructor um at that stage and i ended up uh working in darwin nightclubs in my like from my first job at 18 i i ended up working in nightclubs and it was the 90s so there was a there was a scene um (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) jake's just uh, nodding his head okay yeah i remember the 90s (laughs) no no, not me i just (laughs) (laughs) i saw people um and and yeah like i i worked nights i saw a lot of violence i and then that just really, I actually got sick again. Like it, my, my body shut down from, from my lifestyle. Mm. Um, and I was lucky enough that my mother had moved to the sunshine coast of Queensland. And I went down there on holiday and stayed. And I just had this opportunity to stay. And I knew what had happened. I knew what I'd done last time that had got me back into a feeling of really good health. And that was body work and Tai Chi. This time I found Qigong, which is the same deal, mindful movement, breathing, different postures. Um, I did a year long yoga teacher training 
so my life for the next seven years was um, studying shiatsu massage, um, studying tai chi yoga, and I fell in love with the traditional Japanese art of aikido. Which right. is a, a traditional Japanese martial art. Uh, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal is, the, is the most famous exponent of it. Um, it's an art that is all about the redirection of somebody else's force. So if there's an attack, rather than using my brute strength to overpower that attack, is to capture the momentum of the energy of that attack and using a spiral or a shape to, to turn that back to where it came from. Okay. Um, redirecting the energy and capturing someone else's center and taking them to the ground that way. It's beautiful, beautiful movement. Interesting. Okay. And, um, so that, that became, the other things were definitely my passion, but that one at the time was really the, the preeminent, the apex of everything that I was doing. Yeah. And I had no, I had no plan at this stage. I was going to say, were you working? <laughs> what were you doing? I was, I was working as a waiter which in Noosa at that time, I could, I could work 30 hours a week, earn more in tips than I did in wages. Yeah, yeah. And I lived at the beach. Like there was nothing, <laughs> nothing I needed. So really everything I was earning was going back into um, my exploration of training and, training and studying and meditating and doing every course. I, I found these three amazing teachers through that four, but really three amazing teachers at that time who I still consider my teachers now. So my, my Aikido sensei, my um, shiatsu teacher, um, so Chiko Sherry was my Aikido sensei and uh, Gwyn Williams, my shiatsu teacher, an incredible acupuncturist uh, Qigong teacher named Angela Newman. And mm. these three people, um, I'd, yeah, I just really They're like your studied. mentors. Yeah, totally. I And I had no plan at that point about what I was doing with my life or how this was going to go. I was just following the path that I was drawn to and that interested me and that, that really for my own for my own well-being, yeah. that, that was my focus. Realizing that body work and probably working on grounding yourself mentally worked in summary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got to think we live in pretty, we live in a pretty toxic world for the most part. I mean, with you think about air pollution, the hours that people work these days, sedentary lifestyles, people, you know, we're compromising on diet for convenience and to have more time to do social things or to work, you know, we're addicted to mobile phone devices and TVs. So it's, it's no wonder that you start to see people's bodies breaking down or getting illnesses out of nowhere. It's like, for a, for to a certain extent, we've like lost touch with who we are as beings and what our purpose is here and what we're meant to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. And the other side, not only of the things that we've added that don't work yeah. for us or, or add stress into the system. Yeah, I think if you think about it evolutionarily, like this, our physicality, our species evolved from some form <coughs> of naked ape. Uh, yeah. And we went through all of these different progressions. There was a period, a really long, you know, hundreds of millions of years progression. And for a really long portion of that, as a homo sapien, we were really connected to the earth. We'd walk barefoot, yeah. we'd spend a lot of the time waking up 
in our cave and wandering down to the river to get water, just that little transition, we would be barefoot walking over, you know, cold in winter, hot in summer, slippery, all this rich neural stimulation of the surface of our foot that we're just deprived of now. And so if we go back to what I was saying before about the the brain extending all the way down to the sole of the foot, that when that gets stimulated, these days it's so easy for our feet to live in this real monoculture. And it's just one really simple example. Like I wake up in the morning and my floor is completely flat and plush carpeted. <laughs> yeah. And I move through my day. I can just not have to think about my feet, which means often then I get stuck in my head. I'm, I'm, the devices and thinking, it's so easy to get stuck in our head and not have our awareness really be in the body. Yeah. So maybe these Aussies that I've seen wandering around without shoes in Westfield, <laughs> maybe they've got maybe they've got something they've right. They've got it all figured out. We don't know what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> um, so Bruce, from there, I, I don't know your chronology exactly, but when did you end up in Japan? Because this is when I first met you. You told me a little about your life story. And I was like, hold on, this guy's like done some serious training. You, you went on a proper training session to Japan, didn't you? Yeah. So my, my Aikido sensei Nusa, his, his teacher, um, Yoshinobu Takadashi-han, eighth dan Aikido master in Tokyo. He's actually recognized as a national living treasure of Japan. Wow. So... I don't know how it happened, like how a white boy from Darwin ended up, you know, like being taken and formally introduced with a, with a letter of introduction and a request to take me on as a student. And um, uh, Takara Shihan accepted that request and took me on as a student. So I went to Japan originally just before my 30th birthday on a six-month working holiday visa. And I had nothing lined up as far as a job or anything like that. I just knew I just wanted to train Aikido at the deepest level from as close to the source as I possibly could. Sounds like you're going to live and breathe it for the six months at least. Yeah, that was that was my focus. Like that's what I had. That's what I was going for. And um, I ended up getting a job in a fine dining five-star restaurant in the heart of Ginza, which is the fashion district of, of Tokyo. And they just, they wanted a white face. They wanted a, <laughs> a, 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 a Caucasian face for this Caucasian cuisine. And they, like the job description was look good, pour the wine, smile at the guest. Like that was it. <laughs> I was like, okay, I can, I can do that. Apparently I did that pretty well. So they, they um, sponsored me and, and I ended up staying for four years and at nights I'd work in the restaurant and uh, during the day I'd, I'd go to the dojo and I'd train. Wow. And that so was you were like life. this super powered waiter that you had like these superpowers that your, your clients in the restaurant probably had no idea who you were. <laughs> like Superman. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew more about Japanese martial arts than most Japanese by, by that. Like, yeah, yeah, I was training pretty much as close to, uh, as close to a samurai as a modern person gets the opportunity to train. I was training authentic, original Budo. Right. And um, my sensei was at the level that actually um, the Russian military would spend 
send members of the of their special forces to his dojo to round out their training and also some like cultural exchange keeping those ties of communication open between Japan and Russia and I got to um, spend time with uh, members of the Russian special forces and uh, they have their own martial art which is absolutely incredible called Sistema which they developed um, from scratch at the well not from scratch from the traditional Cossack martial art that had been used to defend the Cossacks from Mongol invasions as far as you know 1100 years ago right um, is that similar to Sambo? Uh, yeah, the origin of Sambo. Yeah. yeah okay. So, so the Sistema is like an extrapolate, like an, an even f- further developed um, aspect of Sambo. Okay. And it's built on the foundation of breathement. <laughs> breathement. That's it. Um, breathing, movement, relaxation, yeah. and structure. And then if you develop those four pillars you can do anything physiologically they're you quite can, um grappling heavy are they a grappling focused martial art or whatever's required it's it's free it's right. like you can't pre-plan especially in those uh, kind of to, for operatives who are going to be in any kind of conditions day night wet hot yeah. cold you just you can't pre-plan. So it's like, how do we prepare this person to be able to deal with whatever they need to deal with uh, as effectively as they possibly can? And so for me, the the correlations with that in life, like I have no intention of being parachuted into some, you know, I don't want to go into a live, yeah. <laughs> live fire fight yeah. in, in any crazy yeah. part of the world. I just want to live the best life I can. And the the correlation of like breathing, if I'm breathing well, if I'm moving well, if I have a, a really high capacity to relax and a really good physical structure, everything in my life seems to work better. Yeah. So how did you get to a point where you decided this is what you wanted to do for a living and talk to us about how you help people? Yeah, beautiful. Um, I, when it was time to leave Japan, I just, I knew it was time. I'd I'd been there long enough and it was like, it was like I was on a knife edge. If I stayed any longer, I was never coming back. <laughs> um, and I really wanted to come back to Australia. And so I came back and um, I worked as a fine dining waiter here for, for, for a little while, even icebergs and oh, yeah. full bar and grill and you know, um, some of my favorites. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, China doll should get a mention as well. Then. <laughs> um, and during that period, like as I was just, I was so overweighting, like it was, yeah, I was completely done. And I, by this stage, had 15 continuous years of study yeah, right. in alternative practices. Um, and I kept drawing this Venn diagram of, of these three interlocking circles. Movement, so Tai Chi, Qigong, Yoga, Martial Arts, Aikido Sistema, and massage, so Thai, Thai massage, Shiatsu. And I knew that where all of those interlap in the center there, that was where I belonged. That was where I had something really significant to offer. Um, and yeah, the time just came where I, I knew I was ready and I, I bought a mat and I, my first ever sessions were at the Bondi market. I, 
I hired a stall at the Bondi market and I put down my mat and I hand painted a sign <laughs> and I said, you know, Shiatsu. And on my very first day there, like I covered the rent of the stall and I was stoked. <laughs> I was stoked because I was actually doing it and I was starting to put everything that I've been studying actually into hands-on use. Yeah. Um, and it just, it built from there. I took a, a, a room in a yoga studio and um, yeah, haven't, and then I, I dropped the, I dropped the restaurants effectively. I dropped two nights and then three nights. And then when that last night was gone, was like, you yes. became the body magician. Beca- yeah. And that, that was a process of actually um, doing shiatsu and not having any other name for it than you know, shiatsu or massage. And in the space of one week, three of my clients are out and about. I bumped into them in cafes and three of them independently of each other introduced me to the person I was sitting with as this is Bruce. He's my body magician. I was like, you're very okay, famous. You I'll bumped into it. someone downstairs in the cafe as well. Yeah. You know, everyone in cafes. Uh, yeah. Cafes. I, I like cafes. <laughs> cafes we're not, far, are we're good. not far from Bondi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was a, a massage offering, but you do a lot more than that now. So let's finally get to it. What is the body magician? What are you doing? What am I doing? That's a brilliant question. Over everything that I've described, what I really got present to, the way I see it, there, each of us have an innate healing intelligence. This aspect of our physiology that is always and ever doing its very, very best to provide us with the optimal experience of being alive. And it can only do that within the, within the context of the, the stress that it's under or the, the past stresses that it's experienced that it still hasn't dealt with, the stresses that it's experienced, and the resources that it has available. So sometimes we can't do much about the stress that we're under. We've got commitments, we've got obligations, we've got kids, we've got things that we're committed to. So I don't want to necessarily alleviate the stresses. What I'm really interested in doing is supporting people to increase their resource, their ability to deal with it. Mm. And the way that I've seen that's the most effective for that is if we can relax. Relaxation in our culture is so completely underrated. It's given lip service. But when you are able to relax the nervous system, to be able to fully drop down into your parasympathetic nervous system where the body resets itself, rests, digests, recalibrates, reorganizes, repairs itself from the inside out, then when you can find that place, the body has a phenomenal capacity to heal. Mm. So my role is in supporting people to get their nervous system into that place where, where that happens. Yeah. Uh, if I had to summarize what you did with me in one sentence, it would be active relaxation. Mm. I, you facilitated however we did it to make me feel... <sighs> yeah. Hmm. Are you going to film Bruce uh, giving me active relaxation? That sounds dodgy. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we can do that. Now, what I'd love to do, joking aside, yeah. is if we could do uh, a, a one session, mm. you and David, because he knows nothing about it, and I'll just be sort of in the corner, not part of it, but just taking some stories and little snaps. Yeah. And then that 
will be so much easier for people to see on Instagram what is actually going on. I think yeah. we'll do that in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, my, my Instagram is the body magician. So totally check that out. There's heaps of, yeah. heaps, I, I really love to keep that alive with footage of, of a big part of what I do. Um, but it's really about bespoke. There's no, the way I, that I work is no one size fits all paint by numbers kind of protocol. David, you and Jake are, are different. So when I'm definitely, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So when I'm working with someone, what I'm really interested in doing is, is really getting to know who this person is. You're not just a meat suit. You're like you're animated by some some aspect of personality, some aspect of consciousness, and you've got values and aspirations and. Um, traumas and experiences and all sorts of things that brought you to being the person that you are in this moment. So in a given session, generally, usually the way that I'll start is with a foot massage. I remember this. Yeah. And this is where I found it weird at first because I wasn't expecting it. I think you said to me, um, sit down and, and we'd already taken our shoes off and you gave me some tea and you sat you know, a foot in front of me and just grabbed my foot and said, so tell me about you and you were massaging my foot as we were talking. I thought... Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> what is going on? Someone's asking me about who I am and what I'm interested in. Jake's this like, is this is weird. my lucky day. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, what a what an icebreaker. You know, mm. to to you know, it's a bit like why we shake cans. It's like the icebreaker, but you're starting your art before you've even got my name. Almost, you know what I mean? It's it's like, you know, people are not expecting it, but they just have to go with it. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's getting the neural pathways working and it feels nice and you're just having a chit chat. It's, it's just different. Yeah. And so for me, I don't differentiate diagnosis. My, my diagnostic approach and my treatment happen simultaneously. So as I'm giving the foot massage, like you say, yes, I'm stimulating the nervous system, but I'm also getting a feel for your body and the residual background tension that your body's holding um, from my sense then that yeah there is this thing where there's a flow of energy through the body and I have developed a sensitivity to that um, so that when I'm working on the foot yeah I'm really able to get a f literally a feel for where your body's at but then it's this beautiful beautiful space in which to have a conversation about where you're at, what's going on in your world, the clearer I can be on what your aspiration is. Like if there was a missing piece or if there's something that, if you had a magic wand, you could just wave it, tap it, swipe it, and you could transform an area of your life, what that would be. Because whatever that is, there's an anticipated route reward for that a feeling effectively whatever the goal that you were aspiring to achieve underneath that goal there's a state of being that we're hoping to achieve and the more that i can get present to that when i'm working with someone whether that's openness or joy or whatever the thing is for that particular person the more i can tailor my work to be able to facilitate that, to bring that to life now so that bringing that state to life actually supports the fulfillment of the goal. Yeah. Uh, I remember, um, you know, my issue was my back and, uh, you know, I got 
a weak core and, you know, feeling unbalanced, you know, just generally, because I did a lot of surgery, just standing all day. I remember one interesting thing you did with me. You got me to stand, uh, obviously barefoot, uh, and you said, close your eyes. And you said to me, where do you feel, where is your balance on your foot? Is it on your heel? Is it on your toe? Or is it right neutral in the middle? And I very clearly felt I think it was forwards on my toes. And I was like, yeah, I feel like I'm sort of always leaning forwards to some extent. And so you got me to adjust my posture to find where I felt, you know, the middle was rather than too far back or too forward. And you were like, okay, so now you know that feeling. Now you know sort of what it feels like to be grounded, not shifted from from center. And it kind of clicked in my head of, oh, yeah my anatomy is for whatever reason not perfect and therefore it's pulling me one way therefore I can just be mindful of trying to be in this neutral state my body won't feel as stressed or or sore yeah it was just a simple thing but I'd never thought about it that way yeah yeah so a lot of times when people are thinking about restoring function in the body they're thinking about trying to think their way into like trying to hold a new posture mentally like using the prefrontal cortex to to hold their stomach to hold like core in shoulders back chest up da 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 and it's like you can do that until you sneeze or until someone cute walks past or until you're (laughs) tired like it doesn't it doesn't it's it's hard work or the other way we're thinking about is strengthening we got to strengthen this muscle and roll that muscle and and try and balance the body that way. And th- those, those approaches can be effective. There's, like, they, can, they can work. My, my sense is, like, first, let's just wipe the slate clean. Like, just relax. Relax everything first. Let your body find neutral. And then from there, it can reset itself. Like, those, if a muscle's overworking or underworking, that's really being driven by a neural pathway, a firing within the, within the brain, a pattern that we get habituated into. So if we can wipe the slate clean, we can interrupt that pattern. And then we've got the opportunity for the body to create a new pattern. Yeah. I say that if, if you're having to think about your posture, you're doing it wrong. Like if you think about a, a ter- like a brachiosaurus had the brain the size of a chicken, yet it, it potentially had good posture or it wouldn't have lived for as many, you know, for as many you know, millions of years as it did. Like if, if we're having to think about our posture, the wrong part of our brain is doing it. So what I'm really interested in is reconnecting so that the body does it internally, restores it from the inside out. Yeah. So this way, like in any given moment, we're always, there's always a neural network firing for the posture that we're experiencing. Yeah. And that holds true whether I'm lying down or sitting up or halfway through throwing a javelin. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And in any given moment, there's always a neural network firing for the mental emotional state that I'm in. Everything from fear, anxiety, resentment, pick your flavor all the way through to joyful, elated, open, happy, whatever. Again, there's like this full spectrum. Some nerves and drugs are doing something <laughs> to create that. Create that, create that spectrum. So in any given moment, I must be the, the overlap of the neural networks for the physical, the overall signature for the physical posture and the overall signature for the mental emotional posture. 
And those two can become kind of coupled together by default, just habituation. I yeah. get used to being this way. Like there's a this default mode of being. I wake up expecting or my body just goes into, my mind just goes into kind of this habituated way of being me. Yeah. And there's advantages to that. Like waking up being somebody else could be really disconcerting. We've all been there. <laughs> we're, like, where, where am I? Who am I? What day is it? Yeah. But a lot of time that pattern, it's, it's just habit. And if we can reconnect, if we can find neutral, we can find center. The more deeply that we can experience any state, the easier it is to experience again. Yeah. Mm-hmm the easier it is to experience again, the more deeply that we can experience and we can set up a, a, a feedback loop that allows us to cultivate a new way of being, whether that's finding centered and grounded and balanced by using the feedback of our feet or whether that's finding a state of relaxation, like not a theoretical, not something I read in a book, but actually experiencing what it feels like to be deeply relaxed and connected to myself and in experiencing that state open up the pathway for experiencing that more often and more deeply yeah so so when you're treating uh patients clients however you define them um is this something that you're looking to do ongoing with them like a i guess and for an indeterminate period of time or are you looking is your strategy to get people on the right path and then send them on their way so they're not clients forever or they come back or is this i'm trying to understand how your process works in terms of if it's just sort of get people right and then send them on their way or is it something that people you want people to have in their life in their routine all the time i want i want to work with people to the level where they've integrated uh, a a transitional change that has longevity Mm -hmm. so that could even be a single session like if if a single session puts you on a different pathway the the analogy then would be imagine two identical boats leaving a harbour, equal motors, equal hull, and a difference of a three-degree setting. Once they cross the Pacific Ocean, one's going to be in, in Seattle and the other one's going to be in Mexico. You know, it's like this, this extrapolation, a small change exacerbated over time becomes a big change. So if a single session, I can give somebody the, a tool or a technique or a way to relax themselves and access to being able to make a change in their body or in their mind where given that there's no difference um then i'm stoked that's happening but that's small what i really really love is to work with someone so that they achieve what it is that they really want to achieve so after that first session things can get um we can create a plan from there that's really tailored to the person I'm working with. My introduction, like single session and then five is fantastic because once I've had five sessions with someone, no one walks out of that without having a long-term change. Like Jake was saying, he came to see me for a sore back and we haven't had a session in over a year. I reckon at least a year, yeah. But your back hasn't been screaming at you to say, oh, hey, I my days, but <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, but, but, but I the- have, uh, you know, I'll always probably have this. It's, it's an injury. It's not like, uh, well, maybe you'd argue with that, but I've still got 
one or two things that I think of like centering my gravity, thinking about my posture, but you know, not, not thinking suck in your tummy, but stand in a way that is efficient. So mm. your body doesn't have to, you know, be under tension all the time. And also just the simple things like the breathing exercises that you, uh, sort of went through. That sounds really kooky to someone who doesn't understand breathing. It sounds a bit kind of, you know, s silly sometimes, but when you think about it, exactly what you're saying, you're just engaging your parasymp parasympathetic nervous system to make your body relax. It's not magic. It's just how your body works. Yeah. And, and I sometimes still have to think, God, I'm just not breathing properly. Sounds so stupid, but it's true. So then if I can fall back into those habits that you sort of imprinted, then you can kind of relax. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. One of the areas where I'm, most excited about where my work is developed is anxiety in the treatment of supporting people to be free from anxiety. And that's a huge claim. Uh, but I have clients who have come to me with debilitating, like clients who were about to have to sell their company because they could no longer go into the office because the anxiety of leaving their house going into their office was so great that that they couldn't couldn't do that mm. and to be able to have like i say five sessions with that client and for them to now be you know crossing the united states coast to coast on a on a venture capital you know um road show incredible incredible because like if we think about taking anxiety as an example it's impossible to be relaxed and anxious simultaneously so if we can open up that pathway into the experience of relaxation however deeply however incrementally whatever no rush no force nothing to fix just opening up a person's capacity to experience being relaxed, the more deeply that we can experience that, the more, the more opening there is for that as a way of being. Yeah. And then that can become the default mode. That can be the way of being. I remember you were saying, David, mm. that you did meditation with mm. Gary Goro, who yeah. was on a while back, and yeah. you found that really helpful, but then you kind of slipped off the wagon. Yeah. And, and now you feel it would be useful to dip back into it. So yeah. it's, it's the same as what Bruce is saying. You could take away some habits, but those habits are easy to forget if you don't think like, about them, um, I guess. It's like spinning plates. Boom. What a brilliant... So, yeah. you know, you've, every so often you've just got to... You know, there's initially like that, you know, you've got to sort of build up that momentum and then you can sort of leave that for a minute and then when it starts to slow down, you've got to come back and just touch it up again. But it's not as hard as it was initially getting it moving. That's but I, Yeah, but I've moved on to... I mean, look, I think I should definitely get back into I find bonsai now like a form of involuntary meditation mm -hmm. um, but it's actually quite hard on the body when you take it to a certain level so <laughs> it sometimes can be a bit tricky I, I, for myself I love having a plethora of, like a real a smorgasbord of approaches that can that I know will allow me to shift my state as and when I need so I've got my my foundational things that I do and then I've got some other things that that I have in my toolbox that I can use to to bring in as and when I I need them to to reset my my physiology. Like sometimes I find for myself things have worked so well I stop doing them. It's like, yeah, because oh, you think you're better. Because <laughs> I'm like I don't need that anymore. Yeah, like, you hear oh. that a lot with people who have like um, on antidepressants. 
they'll feel great and they'll go, oh, I feel good now. And they start taking the medication and then they fall back off the wagon because they become complacent. I, I think that's a different case where the, 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 the antidepressants actually... It's di- I think that's a, a different example where the, yeah. the, um, because of the, the chemical introduction into the brain, um, the pathways, we don't learn a new way. It's harder to learn a new way of being. They can in- it's, it's, it can be done simultaneously, totally, 100%. But people, if they're, on the, if they're using the antidepressants and have the intention of wanting to come off them, they really need to build those other pathways and yeah. those other supports and have those in place. And then, yeah, coming off antidepressants with that and with that support is something that I've absolutely loved doing with yeah, a number of clients. And it's such a... For, for the clients that have done that, what a, it's a, a level of freedom then to be themselves and to be confident knowing that that issue that they were dealing with that required them to, to seek the, the external help of the antidepressants, that, that, that they're now free from that and able to really build and move forward and um, be independent. And yeah, yeah, that's something that... Not feel chained to a medication. Yeah. To, yeah. To, to, to feel good. And as a disclaimer, work with their physician and as well. work with like a hundred percent working. <laughs> I, I would, yeah. Working with the physician, that's the, that's paramount in, within that. Absolutely. So I feel like we still haven't got to the nitty gritty of what you do. So we spoke about massage, um, mindfulness of posture, bit of breathing. The main thing I absolutely loved was you called it flying. What is flying? Cool. So, after the foot massage and the real deep check-in where I get to know who you are, um, generally then from there, I bring my clients up to standing. And there's a practice called acro yoga, which um, has two components to it. It has a very, you might have seen people balancing on people's feet down at the beach, making all sorts of pretty shapes and um, very acrobatic. There's another side to that, which is therapeutic flying which is where the flyer needs absolutely no experience, doesn't matter on weight or height or age or anything. And I actually balance the person on my feet. I invite them to lean forward so that my feet become a ledge for their legs and allow their spine to completely decompress. So the weight of their head being attracted towards the center of the earth and their hips being supported by my feet means the full spine can just traction open and there's no force or strain other than gravity. There's no manipulation from me. I'm not clicking or cracking, but the, the release that comes through the nervous system is phenomenal. It's so good. Ah, oh, like five, literally five minutes of therapeutic flying is the equivalent of 60 to 90 minutes of spinal massage. I get more release, more realignment, more reconnection, more just more, more, more. But I think that. also uh, on a deeper level, I remember when we first did it, I was sort of trying to hold myself and I wasn't relaxed. And until you learn to let go, I guess, and, and let you do the work and just, you know, just go into that full relaxation mode, you don't understand what relaxation is. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a tool to, to teach relaxation. A hundred, that, absolutely. Because... When your body, 
When your body's holding on to residual tension for whatever reason, whether it's a past injury or whether it's from um, an emotional aspect, we hold, we hold our body to store emotion um, or whether it's a, a chemical, whatever the reason for the underlying tension within that area, when your body can see for itself the epicenter the, the depth, the, the real location where the issue is located, your body can assess internally whether, that's, whether that holding is actually serving and supporting. Yeah. Sometimes, especially with like injuries or, or emotional stuff, we splintered that area to deal with something that we didn't have the capacity to deal with at the time. Yeah. And we've outgrown it. But the scaffold, it's like no one told the scaffolder to come back and get the scaffolding. Well, it's like, you know, people having hunched shoulders, for example. There's no, that, that's not useful in any way. It, it's actually quite uncomfortable. It puts stress on the various muscles. And yet, you, you know, your body's just stuck. Yeah. And until you have a decent massage or fly or do whatever you do, it's very unpurposeful. So flying allows, like you said, it it allows the participant, the person who's hanging and suspended, it allows them to start to see where that tension is and use gravity to open that up. And when that opens up, when the muscle relaxes voluntarily, internally, it's like, like imagine a light switch. As long as there's signal going to the the light, the light will stay on. And it, it doesn't matter how long the light has been on. As soon as I find the off switch, it's off. Like start thinking about tension in the body like that. Even if the tension's been there for years, 15, 20, 30 years, if you can find the off switch, if you can interrupt that pattern and find where the off switch is, the muscle can switch off. Yeah. It, it may be so habitualized that it switches back on and gets stuck again, but that's where the working through a series of sessions means that we really get to find as many of those off switches as we can and reset the body. Yeah. Have you ever had someone you haven't been able to fix or been able to help? <clears throat> fix? Maybe that's uh, the wrong word. Wrong word, but, but help? No. Okay. I haven't, I haven't, I found people who I would be able to help who've chosen not to. Yeah, right. Yeah, everyone needs to be, in a yeah. everyone needs you, to be on board, right? It, yeah. Yeah. And there's, there needs to be that, that buy-in. Yeah. There needs to be that commitment, not just the financial commitment, um, but also the time and the, the willingness to show up. Like if someone's willing, that part I can't, I can't yeah. do anything about. But if someone's prepared to make the, the investment of their time, money and, and show up, yeah. then I haven't met anyone yet who I haven't been able to support. And that's ranging through from you know, some of the top athletes in the, in the country who've, who've used this work to support their performance all the way through to seven-year-old women with Parkinson's and people with depression and anxiety and you, you name it. And it's like, well, how can one modality have so much scope? It's like, really? Because the thing that they all have in common is the nervous system. And when we get to be able to drop into that parasympathetic state, the nervous system 
can start to reset wherever the dysfunction is. Okay, I've got a, a client who's a um, paraplegic who, you know, his, his chances of ever regaining the ability of use in his leg are really, really small by any stretch of the imagination. But the work that we do in being able to support him to feel in his body and for his spine to be pain-free and for him to still be able to, you know, still get all of the mental and emotional benefits, it, there's, there's nothing that can't be supported by yeah. being, being able to improve your ability to relax and be in your body. That's really, really cool. So I feel like we could have gone on for hours about, I remember you used to do cold showers and you told me so much about the breathing exercises and stretching and yoga and different types of massage. Like we could do a hundred episodes, <laughs> but um, to summarize, uh, where do you work and, and how do people potentially connect with you and, and what does it look like? Cool. Um, my studio is in Randwick. So I have a, a beautiful studio um, there, which is just one of my favorite places in the world to be. Yeah. So for any listening, uh, Randwick is in Sydney, Australia. In Sydney, yeah. Australia. <laughs> um, and you can find me on Instagram's a really easy way to find me, the body magician. All one word or is it separated yeah. with hyphens or underscore? All one word. The body magician. Yeah. The body magician. Um, and the website is www.thebodymagician.com. Yep. Um, so through either of those avenues and then book a book a consultation. I have a, a complimentary 20-minute um, phone consultation for anyone who wants to check in with me one-on-one -on -one and like really discuss where they're at and whether this is yep. going to be a good fit yep. for them. Um, and the other option is just to, to book straight in for the experience, a 90-minute introduction session. Yep. I've, um, I've set up a, a coupon code uh, AI. I, uh, uh, uh. I think it was AI podcast. I, AI podcast. That was, <coughs> that yep. was a request. Yep. So for anyone that's listening and wants to come and have a session, they just put in that code where onto your website or they just quote it to you or tell you or... Just in my online booking system. Right. Like on my website, click book a session. Yep. Um, and then where it says coupon code, we write in AI podcast and that'll be... A IA. IA. <laughs> IA podcast. And that will be $100 off that, that wow. first consultation. That's very generous. Excellent. Thank you. Very, thank you so much for your time. I'm actually looking, I'll probably, I will come and see you for a session. I need it. Yeah, let's, let's do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bruce. Really appreciate your it's time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to both of you. Thanks thank you. Invite. See you awesome. soon. Take care, mate. This episode of the podcast was brought to you by BTL Aesthetics. So just to summarize, we were talking about the M-Sculpt device previously. If you're a non-surgical clinic, um, you might be interested to know some of the stats from Real Self. Uh, this was in October 2019. The M-Sculpt was the number one highest interest growth device in the whole world with a 450% growth wow, that's compared crazy. to all of the other devices and procedures available. Yeah, almost as much growth as it will give your booty. <laughs> Absolutely. So to summarize, uh, the M-Sculpt device is a non-invasive device to improve muscle tone and also burn fat. It's mainly used for the abdomen, but also the buttocks, calves, and also now with the new tricep and bicep uh, devices. Mm, I like it. So if anyone wanting more information, head on over to btlaesthetics.com and you can find all the information about the various devices that they sell and distribute. 
For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at inside underscore aesthetics. During the week before every recording, look out for our Instagram stories as we'll give you the opportunity to submit your questions to our guests and get a shout out. You can also DM us for any other information, suggestions or guest requests. 